You're listening to Identity Theft by Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Downey, and sponsored by the award-winning Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense series. Visit alanaterry.com slash unabridged to get the first three-book bundle in the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense series today. And now, enjoy today's episode of Unabridged, the Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Chapter 17 The nurse handed Lacey a slip of paper. Here's the prescription for your pain meds. You can stop by any pharmacy and get them filled. I'll take care of that for you, hon. Sandy reached out and took the form. She probably shouldn't take them on an empty stomach either, right? The nurse shrugged. I guess not. Lacey was ready to go outside, to enjoy the fresh air once more. Dr. Jacobson wants you to check up with your general provider in a week. Do you need us to help make you an appointment? Do you have a doctor in Anchorage, sweetie? Sandy asked, as if Lacey needed a translator. She lowered her voice. Do you have insurance? Because Carl and I can help with the medical bills, you know. It's all right, Lacey insisted. Money had been tight working at the daycare, but at least her pitiful pay qualified her for state health insurance, so her entire hospitalization would be covered. That was one perk of getting transplanted into an oil-rich state. The nurse made a little mark on her clipboard. Well, if you don't have any other questions for me, you're free to head home. Lacey forced a smile, even though the word home stabbed at her heart like a giant icicle. Thank you. Oh, one more thing, Sandy inserted. Is she supposed to be taking baths or showers, or just leaving the area dry, or what? I'd stick with sponge baths until you see your doctor in a week, the nurse replied. Lacey felt like apologizing for her mom. Thank you, she repeated, hoping Sandy didn't have any other questions. The nurse nodded. Just let the charge nurse at the front desk know when you leave. Are you sure she should walk? Don't you have a wheelchair she can use or something? The nurse raised an eyebrow. Do you want a wheelchair? I'm all right, Lacey answered. Are you sure? Sandy pressed. You just had a major surgery and, well, I hate to say it, but you look like you've been in a fight or something. Wait, Raphael never hit you, did he? I didn't want to say it when you two were so close, but I always had a bad feeling about him. Lacey shook her head. She had been so happy to see Sandy, she forgot how smothered her foster mom could make her feel. Sandy held onto her arm while they made their way to the exit. Carl said it would be all right for me to rent a car for the day while we settle in. I've checked us into a little missionary house that belongs to an old seminary friend of his. They're not charging us, which is awful sweet of them. Once outside, Sandy handed her ticket to the parking valet. Could you be careful, sir? she asked. It's a rental. They sat down on a bench to wait. Lacey's mind was still reeling, replaying all the details of the past few days so her doped-up mind wouldn't mix things up. The man in the Dodge, the one who followed Raphael to Alaska, was behind bars. By all appearances, he was the last link to the murder on the North End Pier. It should be good news, great news. Except it was clouded by the fact that Raphael was still in critical condition. Nobody could guess if he'd pull through. Lacey had wanted to see him once she was well enough to walk, 
but the nurses said he was refusing visitors. Was that it, then? Was that how their whole tragic story was going to end? The valet arrived with the rental, and Sandy insisted on holding Lacey's arm to the car and buckling her once she got in. The mission house should only be ten minutes away. If I don't lose our way before then, she added with a grin. Lacey adjusted the seatbelt strap so it wasn't pressed against her incision site. Sandy got lost within two turns of the hospital, but filled the extra driving time prattling on about grandchildren and foster kids Lacey hadn't thought of in years, some she had never met. Her mind zoomed in and out of the conversation, either from the exhaustion or the pain meds, or a combination of both. Half an hour after they left the hospital, Sandy's phone rang. I'm a block or two away, she answered, if I got my directions right. Sorry for making you wait. Yep, I'll see you soon. She hung up the phone and turned down a cul-de-sac in a small neighborhood full of duplex-style houses. Who was that? Lacey asked, and then saw her old car parked in one of the driveways. She also recognized the man getting out of the front seat. Did I forget to mention it? Sandy replied with a massive grin. We're having company. Chapter 18 Lacey couldn't read Curtis's expression when he opened the door to help her out of Sandy's rental. You okay? he asked quietly. She was still trying to absorb the fact that these two people from her very distinct and very disconnected lives were both staring at her, studying her reaction. How do you feel? She didn't know how to answer him. Part of her wanted to feign illness and hide in bed for the rest of the day. Curtis took one arm and Sandy another, and they led her up the porch steps to the mission home. Sandy reached into a hanging basket and grabbed a key. Once inside, she put down her bag and yawned. You two get comfortable. I've got to rest for a minute. Curtis shut the front door. Should we head to the couch? Lacey felt even more awkward than she had the first time Madeline caught them snuggling together at Curtis's house. Where's the munchkin? she asked. She's at the daycare now. Kim will take her back to her place at the end of the day. I'm not staying long. I just came to drop off your car. He cleared his throat. And see how you're doing, of course. So Sandy called you? I called her, actually. I figured you'd want her to know about the accident, and then she just stayed in touch whether I wanted her to or not. He let out a little laugh. I hope she didn't bug you too much or anything. No. His good-humored smile was back. She had missed that. Curtis adjusted in the couch so his leg was close to hers without actually touching it. She said you were leaving the hospital and I had the day off and... Well, I figured you'd want your car back. You didn't have to, you know. Lacey tried to read any hidden meaning behind this visit. He could have held on to the car, could have kept it in Glen Allen so she'd have a reason to go back once she recovered. No problem. My buddy Taylor is heading back from town today, so it worked out perfect. I'll just catch a ride home with him. Your car's fine, by the way. Whoever was after you, looks like he unhooked the alternator, that's all. Sucked your battery dry, but we got it up and going just fine. 
Made it all the way to town today with no problems. He flashed a grin. And I changed your oil, too. Thank you for everything. She had a hard time meeting his eyes. Don't mention it. She didn't know what else to say. Soon, they would have to talk. A lot. About the past. About Raphael. And then about the future. It was a conversation she dreaded more than just about anything. Listen, she said. I'm really sorry about... He put his arm around the back of the couch, careful not to touch her. You don't need to worry about that right now. But if I hadn't... Let's just save all that for later, okay? There was that compassionate look in his eyes again. How could she have taken him for granted for so long? Something in Curtis's pocket beeped, and he took out his phone. It's Taylor, he said. He's outside waiting for me. That was fast. The same warm expression, the same soft glance. She realized then she didn't want him to go. When are you coming back to town? The hint of a smile. I have next Thursday off. Good, Sandy shouted from down the hall. She'll need a ride to the doctor's office. Want to volunteer? Lacey looked for a place to hide her face, but Curtis only chuckled. I can take you to your appointment. He leveled his eyes, if that's all right with you. She didn't know what to say. Her life, her relationships were all in limbo while she waited to hear about Raphael. Was he recovering? Would he even survive? He wasn't answering his phone calls or text messages, and the doctors refused to give her any real information. Stupid patient privacy laws. Now here was Curtis the same sweet, steadfast Curtis who had been so good to her, watching her attentively, waiting for her response. That would be fine, she answered. He let out a sigh. Was there more to be said? Not here, not now. But when? He walked to the door. Coffee afterwards, he asked, gentle, hopeful. Good idea, Sandy called out. Lacey let out a choppy breath. Maybe if I'm feeling well enough by then. She couldn't take her eyes off Curtis. What had happened to them? I guess I'll see you Thursday then. He turned the knob and was gone. You've been listening to Identity Theft by Alana Terry. Today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense Series. Current Audible listeners can get the first three books for just one credit. New subscribers can dive into this best-selling series free with your Audible trial. Visit alanaterry.com unabridged to download the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense audiobooks today. Just be prepared to stay up late.